Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Hey, this is the national treasure, Nick Aldis, and you're listening to the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. It's the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. With the Enforcer. I believe they're called Enforcers, Gordon. I sell women's shoes. And the Stallion. Stallion, baby! I am not what you would call a handsome man. I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it. All night! Welcome back to another edition of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast. We are your host, he's a stallion, I am the enforcer, and today we are joined by a very special guest. I would say the social media connoisseur of the 21st century, Alicia Atu. Thank you so much for stopping by the show today. Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad that we were able to make this happen and that we're all here today. Yeah, and th- I mean, if anybody follows you on social media, which I assume 99.99% of the wrestling world do, they know that you had an absolutely hellacious uh, couple of days. Most notably, I think you were at uh, WrestleCade over the weekend in Carolina? Yes, I was at WrestleCade. It was so fantastic. It was incredible. I got to host a panel for the legendary Dustin Rhodes, which was insane. I got to sign all day, meet fans, and uh, now I'm back here in New York. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, WrestleCade is kind of like a throwback to the the Starcade days, and it has a lot of the, the legends and a lot of the new people. I saw Orange Cassidy on your feed. I saw... Um... Like you said, Dustin Rhodes. So it's always a good time. I know you do. You're it's so cool because you're so accessible to the fans. You do so many uh, conventions. I know the Starcast, the WrestleCade, the WrestleCon. What is it about? I guess conventions that draw out so many people. Do you think? I think it's just the vast amount of people that are there. Because as you mentioned, you can meet the younger new kids who are kind of just starting, or you can meet the legends that have been on your TV since you were a child. It's it's that mass appeal where. You show up and the who's who's there and you can kind of pick and choose who you want to see. And it's, it's a very cool and fun event to be at. 
Uh, we've done, uh, we were at WrestleCon last year. We've done the big event. Uh, it definitely brings out um, an eclectic group of wrestling <laughs> fans. I think that's fair to say. Uh, do you have any um, words of wisdom for people attending uh, an event like that? Honestly, just go wanting to have a good time. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing that I hear from fellow wrestlers is just when people come up and, you know, it's completely fine to, like, share your stories and everything. But j- just when you kind of cross that line between being a fan and then coming on a little too strong and <laughs> falling into that, that creeper zone. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just know, know your, your limits and your, your place and then everyone will be cool. Like, I love meeting people. It's it's. Honestly, my favorite part of the job because it's just it's the most gratifying feeling. If someone comes to meet me, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just me. Like that, it, it's so so sweet of them. Uh, but then it gets to a point sometimes, it's, you know, with some people where yeah. you know, we've it's a we've seen it. Different. It's a little different. So, yeah. Joe, can you quickly just tell your Lita story? Yeah. So. <laughs> Really quick, the Lita story basically is we were at, uh, I think, a big event, you know, in, in LaGuardia out here in New York. And uh, so I was I paid to take a picture and get an autograph from Lita, and I was waiting online. And the, the guy in front of me had roughly 25 to 30, like, action figures and posters for her to sign. Um, so I waited patiently like a goof in line for about 10 minutes. Um, and then when I went up to meet her, I, you know, she took a picture, and I said, listen, I apologize that I did not bring – 25 action figures for you to sign i feel like i let you down um and she said it's okay it was nice to meet you anyway and that's pretty much how it ended so uh that was that's my lead story from from the big event from a few years ago yeah you know you just see like you said there's that you know you could tell there's the people that like do like the resell right they'll make you sign like 50 things or 50 action figures and resell them and then there's the other people that are like I don't know, over the top, creepy, touchy, handsy feelies. So for people that, you know, as another fan to fans of the event, just be respectful. Be, you know, that these performers just they're respect boundaries, I guess. And I know it's so hard in a, in a big uh, in a big setting like that. But I think that's one of the cool things about professional wrestling is, you know, the fans are and the wrestlers and the personalities are all so accessible to each other. So kudos to that. And I think that's what draws that, you know, that kind of crazy group of people that um, that we see at all these conventions. So just be respectful. Oh, and the big thing is shower. That's super important. I feel like don't even get me started. It's um, I went on a road trip recently with Road Dog, Melina, and Brooke Adams, and we were sharing some pretty intense stories about the good old body odor because, uh, you know, when you can just tell someone hasn't showered for like two weeks. Yo, oh just, yeah, it's yes. just a code of sanity. Just like just shower once in a while, you know. It's a uh, when that smell hits you, it hits you hard. <laughs> And everybody knows who it is, you know, but no, I think it's so cool that you do stuff like that. You know, you have a million, I'm over exaggerating, uh, followers on throughout all of your social media. Um, you know, 50, <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. I said one day, fingers crossed, right? I mean, if you add them all together, you got to be close to half a million. No, you have like 53 and change on YouTube, 55,000 on Instagram and on, on Twitter. How, how did you start? You know, I mean, I such you. I think what, you were seventeen when you started your music blog. How did you know that that's what you wanted to do, and how did that take off so quickly for you? So funny enough, it 
kind of wasn't something I planned on doing. Uh, not that it wasn't something I didn't want to do, but it was never the goal. Um, I was at a gig with my dad and sister, and we brought this shitty little HD camera to like film the band and just stuff for ourselves. Like, you know, when you go to a gig and you geek out and you're like, oh my God, that's my favorite. And um, after the show, my dad said, hey, why don't you ask the band like two questions? Because we saw them outside and uh, I was like, no, why would I? Why would I? And I ended up doing it. I asked them two questions. I used to call them a 2Q video interview. And I posted online. It just did weirdly well. Like people started watching it. The band retweeted it. And I was like, oh, this is fun. So I did that, the music stuff for about three years while I was in high school as a hobby, just for fun. I got to meet the bands I loved. I got to sit down with people. And then it kind of just organically grew from there. And then once I had the big enough fan base in music, um, once again, my dad was like, why don't you try interviewing wrestlers? You love wrestling. Give it a go. And then I started doing the wrestling interviews and everything was just very natural in the way it grew and all came together. And now it's my job and I love it. So I mean, if that's not like a PSA for follow your dreams and do what you love, I got to be honest, I don't know what is. Uh, well, let me ask you, what band did you interview when you were like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm speaking to blank? Um, the one that kind of hit me hard where I was thinking to myself, okay, this can't just be a hobby anymore. Uh, when I got Metallica on my show, it really blew my mind that um, it was through Warner Music and I had done a bunch of interviews through Warner before. And one of their publicists was like, hey, I pitched you to management. We'll see if they get back. Like, no promises, but fingers crossed. And next thing I know, I got an email saying, hey, you're confirmed to talk with Robert Chihulo. It's going to be happening, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I cried. I, got, I saw the email. I just sat there at my computer and cried because Metallica are one of the biggest bands in the world. And the fact that they were going to sit down with me, who at that point in time, this was about two, two and a half years ago, my fan base was nowhere near as big as it is now. And when I say big, it's like, it's right now it's nowhere near as big as I want it to be, but it's much bigger than it was back then. Sure. So it just, it just baffled my brain. And then I remember walking to the room and I'm like, it's not, it's not confirmed until I'm sitting there and he's right in front of me until I have the tape. And then it happened. And that kind of just showed me, as you said, like dream big because you never know what can happen. You, you never know. Yeah. And Metallica very rarely like does interviews like that. And Rob Trujillo, one of, um, from one of my favorite bands, suicidal tendencies. So I am, uh, epically jealous. So that's, uh, that's amazing. I mean, sitting in front of Metallica, yeah, that'd be one of those where it's like, uh, okay. What's the pressure like though? I mean, you said it was two and a half years ago, relatively, you know, young in the career. How much pressure is on you to be like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. I think it was to a point where I realized if one, the, um, publicist from the music label has enough kind of, you know, belief in me, then, and if the band approved it, they clearly checked out my stuff, then in their eyes, I was good enough to do it. And that in itself was such gratification. And I think I went into that interview, of course, you're nervous, because it's massive. But I went into it knowing I wouldn't screw it up. I wanted to have a good time, make sure he was comfortable and had fun. And I watch it back. And I'm like, wow, this is a really special, special interview. So yeah, I don't know. I, I still feel that pressure, whether it's tapings or certain interviews. But I think the pressure more so comes from almost like an anxiety of excitement. And I, you know, and it's not an ego thing where I'm like, I want to knock it out of the park. But you do them so many times. You just know if you sit someone in front of me, like you can have a good conversation. So I don't know. This has been this weird spark of confidence for me lately because I've had a lot of amazing people believe in me. And I think that's where like, you know, that that comfort comes from. So. 
Yeah, I mean, it has to be like, uh, you know, uh, competitiveness too in yourself. Like, I could do this. Yeah, I could, you know, I could do this. I can kill this and I can get, you know, that that kind of name recognition. How did you build your clientele list or the connections? Like you said, you spoke to Warner um, at that age. How did you build those connections so early in the career? Oof, man, it was hard. I reached out to so many people and got so many no's. And it was so frustrating. We're pretty good at but at the same time, I understood because I was like 17. I was just getting interviews. My site wasn't that big. It's like, it was understandable. But at the same time, I was like, but I'm good. Just give me a try. So, um, yeah, I just started reaching out. And every time there was a no, I'd write them back a little bit later and say, hey, I interviewed so-and-so. And so many of those interviews were accumulated by just emailing people from their Facebook emails or sending them tweets and stuff. And they would just say, yeah. So, um, once I started getting bigger interviews that way, I'd go back to those labels and say, hey, I interviewed these indie guys who were like really big. How about you give me a chance with you? And finally, you know, eventually they said yes. And I started kind of taking on their, uh, their, their clients or, you know, the people they represented. That's awesome. I think once you get like such a like one big name interview, you could use that to leverage other interviews. You have no idea how as soon as I got Metallica, I'd go for like, other things and i'd be like hey i'm alicia i've interviewed blah 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 like you name drop all the big i'm sure you know because you do the same you do the same kind of format so you go you you do have to name drop and then it helps they'll be like oh if she interviewed these guys and she can 100 percent handle our band who's like a tenth of or a hundredth of the size and that's no that's no um diss to that smaller band oh, but it's, def not. it's definitely like a marketing ploy where you have to you know you, you really do have to be in either industry music or wrestling and be confident in yourself and be like, hey, I do, I do have worth. I do bring this to your to your brand. So that, that was a big part of it, name dropping. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I were you, my resume would start with, I interviewed Metallica, and that's all I would say. Right, that's all you need. <laughs> so you said your father kind of inspired you to be like, hey, you know, you were a big fan of wrestling, you went through the music, now try that in wrestling. When when did you start becoming a fan of wrestling? Is that something you, you, know, you love growing up? Did you get into it a little bit older? Yeah, I was watching wrestling on my couch with my dad when I was like three years old. He would just have a bunch of friends over and I would just be sat there as like mom would just be like, you know, either watching it with us or cooking dinner or something and or taking care of my little sister. And yeah, I just watched TV and ended up being wrestling on the television. And sure, throughout the last, you know, since then, it would have been two decades. Um, there have been phases where I don't watch it for years. and I'm super into it for years, but I've always enjoyed it since I was a kid. So the fact that my two biggest you know, two, two of my favorite things I get to do every day. It's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and wrestling is kind of that way where it's ebbs and flows and you get more involved in it and then you kind of phase out of it, especially for so long, because really the biggest game in town was the WWE or the WWF. And if you didn't like what they were doing, there weren't a lot of alternatives. So, you know, growing up, you said you were watching it growing up. Who were the, give me the favorites. Who was on the Mount Rushmore growing up of wrestlers that you love to watch every week? Uh, growing up from like my different phases, if I was to kind of narrow it down, it would have to be a combination of who's hard. Okay. Uh, probably Randy Orton, the rock Cena edge. Um, I know I'm over four for the Rushmore, but I'm making my, That's okay. No, no, I, I've okay. Keep going. Um, ooh, who else do I like? Uh, I think I mentioned Jericho, uh, Cody. Oh, Rhodes. I, I loved Cody growing up. Um, those were those were definitely oh and like Roddy Piper and McFoley I loved so those were some of my favorites yeah those are 
some of the probably top seven of top ten uh, all time. I gotta ask you this though: there's a question that divides the show, that divides the all night long wrestling podcast in half. Every single person that comes on the show, we have to ask that question. Joe is Team Shawn Michaels. I am Team Bret Hart. They are mortal enemies. So if you had to pick one all time, Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels. Now, I know you're Canadian. And I'm okay if you let that bias this answer. Hmm, that's really hard. Um, shit. Okay, they're both so amazing. I feel like for theatrics and looks, I was always so into Shawn Michaels, and I loved his his like his his uh, entrance music is hands down my favorite theme song in wrestling, "Sexy Boy." Like I used of to course. dance around when I was a kid, which is kind of weird, but whatever. And then. Um, <laughs> But Bret Hart's just not that Shawn Michaels isn't iconic, but he is such an icon, such a technician in the ring. But yeah, you know what? I'd probably have to go with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Sorry, Canadians. Sorry, Canadians. It's like (laughs) 60 to 3. There are so few people that are with me. Bret's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. I'm wildly (gasps) disappointed, but it's okay. I will, uh, I shall forge on. It feels good to Uh, have Alicia on my side. I just want to point that out. I feel good at you on my side. You've I've had uh, I think three people I think Solo Darling and that's it was on my side all time. Solo so, Darling and, and Officer Magnum I think and that's pretty much I think that's all you got. <laughs> Those are the only two that's for sure. Um, so when you transitioned to wrestling, who was? Do you remember who your first interview was? Yes, my first ever wrestling interview was with Ali. Um, it was at a local show back in Toronto. I reached out to her like two days before the show because. My dad was like, oh, there's this uh, indie promotion running. Why don't we like go check it out and you can do your first interview? And I was like, no, it's too close. It's so different. I don't <laughs> want to do it. Go away. Leave me alone. And uh, she ended up writing me back. She was a sweetheart. She said, yes, of course we can do it. Um, she was, she's a huge metal and he- you know, heavier music fan. So when I told her, hey, I've interviewed blah, 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 Metallica. Um, she was like, oh, my God. I music. She's like such a little punk at heart. So um, she said yes. And it was a great interview. And that really lit the fire in me to say okay I, I can do this like it's not it's it is different from musicians but it's you know it's the same skill set so I was like all right I can do this and then it just completely went insane from there that's that's amazing do you find it more difficult to interview people like a via podcast or more difficult to interview somebody in person I find it so much harder to do over the phone or over video chat because one I hate technology. Like I love it because it's helped me with my brand and everything. But I've never been like a person to oh let me just go on Facebook. Like I didn't have any of this stuff until I needed it for my job. So I've always been a oh hey I'm gonna call you and you want to go hang out like in person. So I think having that in person chemistry and being able to look at someone and read them and their mannerisms like that's a huge part of it. So for me it's a lot easier in person. Yeah, I think so too. I think just and technology so much can go wrong, you know, like what, you know, you drop one call or, you know, the the service goes out, it can ruin everything. So I think that there's something to be said for the old school, just being able to talk to somebody in person. Now, before you did that, is, is there anybody you kind of patterned your interview style uh, after anybody that you watch? You're like, oh, I really like the way they, you know, they converse with people. Funny enough, when I started, I was thrown into it so quickly that I didn't even know it was a, what I was going to do. So I didn't, I didn't pattern myself off of anyone. I was obvious, I was aware of interviewers, like just being a fan of, of wrestling and music. Like you watch VJs and backstage people, but 
I didn't pattern myself on anyone because I started with those two question interviews and then I did my sit downs and it, it just grew to be organically Alicia. Like it wasn't pattern off of anyone. And then when I really started doing the wrestling stuff, like I went back and watched tons of mean gene. Cause I feel like he played off of people so incredibly well. Um, Renee, I think it just has a very natural way of sitting down with a friend and shooting the breeze rather than interviewing and, you know, that I, I try to make that, <clears throat> excuse me, from the beginning, my style. I just want to sit with someone. Ah, I'm losing my voice. Have a fun conversation and just, like, chill. So, sorry, I was I was at a Still Panther concert last night, and I sing my heart out. So, my voice is, like, definitely going on me. But, um, But yeah. you really are a metalhead. Steel Panther's awesome. Oh, it was, like, my fourth time interviewing them. I got to sit down with Satchel and Michael Starr. And we did a 30-minute interview that was just crude and hilarious and so much fun. Like, everyone's going to love it when it comes out. <laughs> awesome. When is that coming out? Probably next week because I'm, I'm away all week this week doing some amazing stuff for MLW. I get my MLW debut this week, which I am so excited about. But uh, the Still Panther interview will be out next week. Awesome. I can't wait to check it out. I love anything 80s hair metal-ish, too, so I will definitely be on the lookout for that. But you mentioned MLW. I want to get there. But before we get there, how did you go from your podcast, um, your channel, your interviews to Impact Wrestling? I know you know you worked with Impact Wrestling in 2018, and that was really when I think they went from TNA to Impact Wrestling and back and forth about it like a dozen times. But in 2018, right. Impact Wrestling really kind of took a new uh, new direction under new leadership and turned into really a very good professional wrestling show. So there was a independent promotion called BCW in which the EVP or the one of the VP, sorry, was Scott Demore from Impact Wrestling. So I think when I was doing their promos backstage, Scott saw me because I was working with his team there and it just, they ended up doing co-pros with Impact and then he was just like, you know what? I use her for this company let me just put her onto my other one. And it just, it, again, I feel like my whole, I don't mean to be a, bro <clears throat> a broken record, but I feel like everything just happened so organically. Like it's stuff you want to happen, but you don't expect it to per se. And it just, it just does. So there's like, always been that like really good vibe thing going. And, you know, I hope to keep that going, going forward. But uh, the whole impact thing just came along super, super simply. Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of have to put yourself in a position to succeed, right? And the law, you know, the laws of attraction, you put yourself in places where you want good things to happen and usually good things do happen. So, uh, in impact, what, I mean, that was that really your first on cat? Well, impact wasn't live, right? It was a tape show. So it was a little bit different. Did you find the interviews a little bit easier at that point because they were taped and you can go back and edit stuff or was it just kind of one take and knock it out? Yeah, we tried to do everything in one take. There's always times whether it's a wrestler or me, like, I had a pretty good track record. Like I, I, I'm very proud to say I really screwed up and it was almost like I wanted to go in there and be flawless. So then if the wrestlers messed up, like they would know I would just repeat my thing, be on point and they could, you know, they wouldn't have to worry about the, the backstage interviewer. Cause I've been at promotions where the backstage interviewer does mess up a lot. And then it, it screws with the wrestler trying to get their stuff done. So, you know, but, but people do stutter. It happens on live TV all the time. And so there were times where like, a wrestler would flub and we'd redo it, but um, it is different because, of course, sorry, guys, to take you behind the curtain, but you're kind of fed what to say, um, especially when I was in that company. So it's very different from my interviews. Mine are just go with the flow. And more of a that, conversation, right? Like yours are more conversation back and forth, whereas a lot of them are more question and answer. That's exactly it. This one's more so, okay, here's your like two lines. You say it. They're going to 
go back and say something else and then you kind of make a reaction and end scene. So, yeah, I think a lot of, and that's the issue with a lot of, um, interviews and promos today, you know, it's so it's words that are written for people not being said organically. And I think there's something to be said for the promos that you spoke about, like of the Roddy Piper and Chris Jericho. They, they were just so, they were so forceful because it was the way that they would speak. And it was just whatever they they came up with in their mind at that time. It wasn't, and I'm not trying to knock any promotion in general, but it, you can have only so many writers telling you what they think you should say instead of what you should actually say. I think the most recent, uh, you know, example of this is, uh, Dean Ambrose becoming John Moxley. And like he said, what was written for him just wasn't something that he would say. And if you don't mean what you say, I think it comes out very disingenuous. A hundred percent. The cool thing is with, with the companies I've been at, like there are times, even with the promos I was discussing previously, like there are times where they're like, you know what, like we trust you, wing it, have some fun. Like that's literally what we did when I did the all in promo with Omega. We at first had some lines written out and then I did this stance where like I was wearing flip flops and I like spread my legs apart so I'd be shorter than him. So I had to do that when I was at impact. And so I, it was just muscle memory. I just did that. So beside Omega and make him look even bigger. Right. And then he's like, he looked at me and he's like, what the hell are you doing? And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the interviewer stance. Why? And he's like, stand up. And then that's where that promo came from, where it literally was him like, what are you doing? We don't do that at this company. And then, you know, the promo started. So I love when moments like that happen because it's literally like these inside jokes, these little moments that you get to share with the thousands of people watching. So I definitely think when that stuff happens and is organic, it, it's more from the heart. It's more genuine and people seem to relate to that a lot more. That's that, that was such a funny promo too. It was so funny you wrote that up. That you could tell like and you could also tell when two people, the interviewer and the interviewee are enjoying what they're doing. It just comes off so much more, you know, in enjoyable for the fans. And I think that brings a lot to all those segments. Um so when you went to how did we get from Impact Wrestling to AEW? Was that something you found um through Cody Rhodes? So uh some of my first big big wrestling interviews were two years ago where I went to a ring of honor show and they just had me backstage as media hosting interviews. And during that time, it was Cody Rhodes, the bucks, um, hangman page, uh, and Kenny Omega kind of as like the biggest group there. And that was when the elite stuff really started to get hot. And so I had them all on, I like cleaned house when I was there and I did these long sit downs with them and, Every It went so well. And so from there, when I found out that there were these rumors of a show coming to be, um, Cody and I started, I don't remember who reached out to who first, but uh, we started talking and he's like, hey, um, I'd like to have you as an interviewer. I was like, 100%, please. And it just, it, just, it just went from there. And it was the same for Double or Nothing. I, re I remember I reached out to him first for Double or Nothing, 100%. I was like, hey, I know that there's these rumors of AEW. Don't really know if that's a thing, but if it is, you have, you have my contact info. Like, I would love to work with you. And I've always been very upfront about that. Like, I've been very upfront about some of these jobs. It's like, they'll come to you. Some of them you reach out because you already have the relationship. And it's cool when you get to do that. And the fact that you end up getting it in the end, it's like, all right, sweet. Like, this is a good gig. Those guys have helped me out so much in my career. And I'm, like, forever grateful. But uh, that, was, that was the transition. Again, a very effortless, super fun way to get another good gig. Sure. Like it's, it just, again, putting yourself in a position to succeed and to grow. And speaking of growing, we are 48 hours away from your debut in MLW at the Opera Cup. 
at the Melrose Ballroom on uh, Thursday night, which we will be in attendance for, actually. We're going to be checking out our first ever live MLW show. been watching MLW for uh, quite a long time. Looking forward to seeing everything go down on Thursday. What can we expect on Thursday from MLW, uh, from MLW and from you? Are you going to be um, doing interviews, commentary team? What can we expect? So as of right now, all I'm allowed to say is that I will be on site there doing a bunch of stuff. So I'm uh, I'm very excited. Um, we're also in town early to get some stuff done. So making making magic happen. We're working hard over here. Um, but as far as the Opera Cup goes, it's the first time they're running one in 70 years. And the fact that this is my first time seeing MLW live, but it's not my first time working with majority of the talent. So many of the people in the locker room are my friends. It's going to, I feel like it's going to be so magical. Like I'm, I am genuinely, I'm not saying this to put over the show. I'm not saying it to put over the, the people I'm going to be working with. I am so damn excited to be backstage and finally just, you know, enjoy something like this because it's been a while since I've uh, done TV tapings and it's been a while since I've had kind of like a home like that. So I think it's an, not only an amazing opportunity, but it's a really cool place to, to shine with others who are rising up and showing their talents. So it's going to be a really good night. Like if you guys don't have tickets already to whoever's listening, get your asses down there. It's, it's filled with so many surprises and the matches they've announced so far are going to be so good. Like Man's First Havoc, I need to watch that. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm. I'm terrified of what's going to happen in that match. Um, but, no, you know, you have every right to put over that company. They have some of the best talent in the world. Um, Timothy Thatcher is going to be there. Like you said, Mance Warner, Jimmy Havoc. Uh, you know, side note, real life, how big of an asshole is MJF? He's the biggest dick on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> there you have it. Uh, spoiler to nobody. MJF is as advertised. Unfortunately... I believe he's going to be there too on uh, Thursday night. I believe the um... it sucks. I'm going to have to like work with him on a more frequent basis. Like you, I don't. I just don't want to see him. But you yeah, know, if you haven't I'm... checked out MJF and uh, Alicia talking already, check out her uh, YouTube page and just type in MJF and watch that douche uh, in action <laughs> because uh, he lives up to his name. That's first. And you know what? It sucks because he's from from Long Island. And it's from like 20 minutes from Joe and I. So I feel like he kind of gives us all a bad name. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he's not the most pleasant person to be around. But then again, this is my first time ever working with this company. So I'm going to be an extreme professional, show up with a smile on my face. I'll even give him a hug. He's going to love it. <laughs> um, I don't know if we'll go that far, but I can promise people that if you're checking out, and the cool listen, the cool thing about MLW is, you know, there's weekly professional wrestling everywhere now, but it's not always for free. MLW is free on YouTube. It's so easy to catch up on. If you go to the gym, watch it on your phone. You're at home, watch MLW on YouTube on your smart TV. It is, it's they're a great organization, but it's free. You have no excuse not to watch it. And the guys that are in MLW, they're they're wrestling everywhere. It's a real professional wrestling fans organization. They've been around for a long time. They've had the Dusty Rhodes and they've had you know the Terry Funks, and now the the breed of wrestlers they have now are really. 
they're guys you're going to see in the business for uh, quite some time. The Contra unit, like I mentioned, Timothy Thatcher. If you're in town, make sure you're checking out MLW Opera Cup on Thursday night in Queens. It's a, it's a subway ride 10 minutes away from Woodside Station. Definitely, definitely check it out. Um, please, Alicia, plug everything you do on every social media platform because I mean it when I say it. You are one of the most entertaining uh, interviews out there right now. Thank you so much. If you guys just type up Alicia Toot uh, in your Google box, um, you'll find my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, all my interviews. I've done over 4,000 in the like six years between doing the wrestling and music stuff. And I just, I, I love what I get to do every day. And it's because of the people who follow it, who watch it, who like it. And if you guys aren't familiar with me from this podcast, I really hope you enjoyed the conversation and you know, you want to check out some new videos, check out MLW and dive into those archives because that was that was the past, but there's a lot of great stuff and I'm even more excited about the future and there's a lot of content coming. So, yeah, just That's great. Check and how long how long can we expect you with MLW? Is it going to be a weekly thing on all their tapings? So, currently I am brought on for the next three events that they are doing and we're already talking about future plans and future dates so i uh, have a really good feeling this is going to be a long-term relationship and as i mentioned previously i think it's a really good fit for me a really great brand so yeah expect to see my face a lot more i'm, I'm gonna be sharing it like crazy um, absolutely I'm, and I'm as really- fans tweet uh, at court bauer at mlw and tell me you want to see alicia on tv every single week or on youtube like i said make sure you're following mlw too and you're checking out all the shows they have for free alicia thank you so much for your time we appreciate everything you do for us and make it time for us in this crazy week of yours and we hope to see you on thursday night at the mlw opera cup from the melrose ballroom in queens new york Thank you so, so much for having me on. I genuinely appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who was listening. Be sure not only to check out my stuff, but also look into the archives of these guys because I was checking some stuff out and they have some really fun conversations. So thank you to everybody. This was fun. Okay, now now the pressure's on, Joe. We have to be better going forward. <laughs> There's only, only one way to go, right, my buddy? There's only one way to Can't go. Can't go much further down, pal. That's what we do. Everybody, another edition of the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast is in the books, and we are tapping out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.